Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously. Shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Why are we so fascinated with the royals? For some, it's part of their upbringing, and for others, it's an escape from reality. Whatever the reason may be, we know them, we love them, we hate them, we're curious about them. Today, we talk to a mommy of three who turned her passion into a New York Times best-selling book and even an Instagram series. She's a royal expert, Elizabeth Holmes. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. All right, Pamela. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Motherish. Hi, Karen. Hello, so we are recording hello. remotely today. I always like to make this a point because I, I get very sad when Karen is not next to me. I know. I'm very new <laughs> that way. I know. I know. I honestly, I prefer when we record together. It's much easier, but also like handling all the things sometimes it's hard. I did say though, like soon we're going to get together to do a nighttime episode because those are, they have such a different kind of vibe and I love it. So we're overdue for a nighttime episode for sure. They, they usually involve a little Prosecco, a little wine. So it makes it more fun. Yes, 100%. All right, Pamela. So I'm excited about our guest today. You know, I, I don't think that I grew up with the Royals, although obviously like the news of Princess Diana, I, I don't know how old. What year did that happen? I don't know what year that happened. 97. 97. Okay. So I was I was 13, okay. Very memorable from that perspective, but prior to that, I really didn't like, I didn't know much about it, but ever since then, of course, it like spiraled this whole thing and, and everything. I grew up obsessed with the Royals. I think my mom and in Peru, everyone bought Hola Magazine and we were just fascinated by them. Like the Spanish monarchy and like, I think more the Spanish and the British one, 
But somehow there was always hope that one of us was going to join one of the royal families. And I know you guys are laughing right now if you can see them, you know, and then we'll go into this with our guests because then when Leticia, who was a divorcee, who was a journalist, married into the Spanish royal family, and then when Megan married into, and she was also a divorcee, and you know, I think she gave a lot of like, I guess, non-traditional girls out there some hope, right? That you could also become a princess. But anyways, we'll go into all that fascination. Also, more than anything, I think it's a good way to highlight how moms usually find ways that really serve as escapes and kind of like a gateway to all the stress and everything that we had to cope with on a daily basis. So I think that's kind of like the take on, on this episode. But before we do that and before we introduce our expert and our guest, why don't we start with our motherish moment of the week? How was your week, Karen? Good, good. I guess my motherish moment of the week is related to I just came back from yet another Disney trip with Victoria. I say that sarcastically though because prior to this Disney trip, with Victoria, we hadn't gone to actual Disney for almost a year, just shy of one year. I went to Orlando a million times because of the property, but we never made it to, to Disney. So listen, we went to Epcot, we went to Hollywood Studios, and we went to Magic Kingdom. All in the course of three days, we did all the things. I was never a big fan of Animal Kingdom, so like, I just feel very hot when I go there. But we went and it was so fun because she's almost four, so she'll be four in April. You know, she's had fun all the other times. I don't care about the, she's not gonna remember. Like, I don't care. I care about the moment and she always had a good time. But this time, like, she remembered things from previous trips and she kind of carried some like, oh, like, I'm afraid of the frozen boat ride because, you know, the part where Elsa does this, like, I'm scared about it. And so we had a whole conversation and I like prepped her and I was like, I really don't think you should be scared because now that we've seen the movie a thousand times more, I think that you'll like it because when you're waiting in line, there's this and that, whatever. So I got her to go on the Frozen ride, which was like, I mean, I was like super excited about it because it's like, for me, like from a technology perspective, it's like one of the most like fascinating rides because the characters like faces are screens, but like, unless you have this context, you see them and they have expressions and it looks so real, not real, you know what I mean? But like, you know, <laughs> we did a bunch of things and we talked about a lot of stuff and there was one part of the day that I went, my husband didn't go. Um, and I felt like I was like hanging out with my kid. Yeah, it was different. She's older. She understands yeah, it was more. Like, like, it was so cool. We went on a roller coaster together. I mean, honestly, it was amazing. She really wanted to go on Splash Mountain. By the time I How figured it out. How did she handle out, the waiting in lines? Because I think Ford's going through this, doesn't want to wait, has zero patient. Like, when I went to Disney, you know, I didn't know the lines. I But so I'm thinking, like, how do toddlers deal with that? Like, how does Victoria... I don't... I went on a really good day. There weren't a lot of lines. And I do the lightning lane thing. So you kind of reserve, like, a time for you to go. And when your time comes up, you show up. You put your little band thing or you swipe your app or whatever. And then the wait itself is, like, five minutes, ten minutes for in the lightning lane. So it wasn't bad at all. From that perspective, it was also a really good day. The only ride that was like super packed was Splash Mountain because oh yeah, because I found closer, out. Right? Was- yes, I found out after that it was two days before it was closing, and I was like ah, because she really wanted to go on it, and she's tall enough. Which I also was like, that's so savage. How is she tall enough to go on this ride? Um, and by the time I, like I promise I you guys, got- this was not a Disney episode. Promise. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I'm Disneyed out. This was a lot. Anyway, that was what I did. It was fun. I had a good time. 
go to Disney with your kids. Who cares? Enjoy it. So, I, I mean, I have a few motherish moments. I've had a lot of lows and highs. So I'm going to like combine two little quick moments. My low one is the struggle in the morning is real when it comes to school. And there's no negotiation. Now it's just like, you know, he says it in Spanish, like, no escuela, no school, no ropa, no clothes, no hair. It doesn't mean to do his hair. No everything. Okay. And he's just like, parque, like, let's go to the park. Let's hang out. Let's do everything else. But I do not want to go to school. So, of course, I look into this whole thing. Like, I don't want him to become like the child who doesn't. Like, I love going to school. Like, for me, it was like, I was such a good mood. I love getting my uniform. Like, I just loved everything about it. And I want him to love going to school. So, I don't know. You know, again, maybe he's having just a bad week. Maybe he's going to grow out of it. I'm hoping. But it has been really, really just physically and emotionally draining to have to, like, convince him every morning. And, like, the tantrum, like, the fighting and, like, the breakdown is just... I'm having a breakdown. He's having a breakdown. It's just, they have not been pretty. So that's one of my, you know, low moments. And then the other one, which I think is funny, for some reason, I don't know if he saw this in a movie. I think he saw it in Sing Part 2, break dancing. You know, he's always in very <laughs> musical. He kind of likes to dance. He's into break dancing. And it's like borderline, a little embarrassing, but like funny, but like no. not that funny. We went to this open space this weekend. There was a loud music. He just started break dancing. He's on the floor. It's kind of dirty. I don't know if I'm into this break dancing thing. Some people find a cue because he's like really into it and like takes a lot of space and then he's kicking his legs, getting on the floor. It's just very visual, a little violent, and it's just funny. I mean, I want to encourage his like creativity and art and expression. But I don't know. It's not It's a phase. what I was expecting. But yeah, so he's breakdancing now. All right, Elizabeth, you ready to share your motherish moment? I took a work trip this week and a high is that I'm getting better at leaving, if that makes any sense. Like it's really, I find it really hard. My kids are three, five and seven and I want to like do everything before I go, like lay out their clothes for the week and do everything to like sort of help my husband manage it. And I've learned that I need to just sort of like let go and just be like, okay, everyone's going to kind of fend for themselves and it's going to be great. My husband's wonderful, but I, I feel like I'm getting better at leaving my kids, which um, is, I don't know, after all this time of being a mom, I'm like, that feels like a real milestone. But then I came back last night and my daughter, my three-year-old, recently learned how to climb out of her crib. And so we had to make the transition from crib to big girl bed. And oh my gosh, I'm like, please just stay in your bed. Like she just, it's like three in the morning and I feel these little hands on me and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she climbs in bed with a, I mean, I hate it because it's three in the morning and I want to sleep, but also I sort of love that she's still like snuggly and stuff. Anyway, it's a real mix of high and lows because she sort of slept with me and after being away, I, I loved it, but I also was like, I need to sleep. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster over here. She's a multimedia reporter and an author of the New York Times bestseller, HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style. And she's also the creator of So Many Thoughts, the Webby Honored Instagram series. And she's a mommy. I think a lot of the content that I love actually from her is actually when she gives advice. There was one video that you did before we go into this whole royal conversation about how to, I guess not connect with your child but kind of like wind them down when you pick them up from school and it was so helpful like having the snacks ready you know sharing your day having that conversation and you know that part for me when I pick him up from school he's so like worked up also that it was very helpful so I really really enjoy that so welcome to motherish Elizabeth oh I'm so glad to be here thank you for having me has it been easy for you to kind of combine the mother role with then having to like connect to I think like a completely maybe different world right which is like the royal and kind of like 
following them and writing about them and just like sharing what you think about them. When I became a mom, first of all, I did a lot of IVF. It was sort of a long journey to motherhood. And then I became a mom and I went back to my full-time job. I was living in New York at the time and working at the Wall Street Journal. And I had to be in an office at a certain time every day and we had a nanny and I was just so stressed. I was like, wait, I worked so hard to have this baby and then I just sort of hand him off and I miss him all day. And I was just, I was like, I don't know how this is sort of sustainable for me. This is not really what I wanted. And we sort of muddled through for a year and a half. And then I got pregnant with my second and my husband had a job opportunity in California. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's move from New York to California. I'm going to quit my full-time job. I'm going to go freelance and I'm going to see what this is like. And I was like, maybe I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like maybe this is really because I missed my kids so much. And I moved to California and I was like, I miss working. <laughs> and so I felt like I had a foot in both worlds. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to work. And I was like, how can I make this happen? And honestly, my Instagram commentary took off. And as a writer, I sort of mixed my style lens with my interest in the Royals, my borderline obsession. And I started talking <laughs> about the Royals on Instagram. And it gave me this very flexible new opportunity, right? Because I am self-employed. I write for an audience of my own making and it's incredible. I mean, it's I will say that I feel like I'm always working and always being a mom. So there's not that separation when you have a full-time job and have to be at an office somewhere and that kind of thing, but I'm very grateful for the flexibility that this position affords. Were you always obsessed with the royals? I need context on this. So no, I'm like you. My first royal memory is when Princess Diana died. My family wasn't really into the royals. It wasn't something I was super plugged into. But then it was actually Will and Kate's wedding in 2011 that got me totally Totally hooked because I got married in 2011 and so I was like planning my wedding and this royal wedding was happening and I was like what's going on across the pond and this idea of like a commoner marrying a prince it was like such a fairy tale story and I remember watching that wedding and just being like wow okay I want to know more and I did I was just sort of following it through when Kate had her first kid and then her second and I was pregnant with mine and I was just like always interested and I was always that girl in my friend group that was like into the royals my friends would kind of like listen and humor me <laughs> but they weren't as into it as I was. And so when I moved from New York to California and I had my second son, I was nursing him and constantly scrolling Instagram because like, what else do you do while you're nursing, right? And uh, <laughs> in the middle of the night, right? Yep, <laughs> two in the morning. That and, and Amazon. <laughs> and Amazon yeah. purchases, for sure. Yeah, I just started talking about the Royals and I figured out that there is this community online. There's a very plugged in and super savvy audience that wants to talk about it. And because I had worked at the Wall Street Journal and I had this style lens that was very focused on not just the beautiful clothes because they are very beautiful but what the clothes could say and what how the royal women use their clothes as able to sort of connect the dots and I tapped into this like wonderful community of people that wanted to think about the royals and I was like you are my people and, <laughs> and it sort of took off from there it took off from there and I will say like the royal watching world even so that was I started so many thoughts in 2017 it's changed tremendously right there it has become a much more complicated discussion and it's something that I welcome because I think it's long overdue in terms of what Harry and Meghan have been through and, you know, holding the monarchy accountable. And so it went from like talking about their clothes to sort of studying this deeply complicated and problematic institution and how they're handling the people within it. And there's a lot of motherhood <laughs> themes that come from that too. And I feel like I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. Um, there's a lot to talk about for sure. My best friend Diana, like she is obsessed. I mean, her. Well, name she's is named after Diana. Princess D, right? Yes, it's she's princess. <gasps> she's named after Princess Diana, and she is like deeply obsessed with the royals. And in my entire friendship with her, she has like put me through 
now I'm like, okay, similar to you, I obviously I didn't have an obsession afterwards, but like I got married right around the same time as Harry and Meghan and her dress is very similar to my dress, which I designed my dress and I got married first. We'll just put that out there. But like since then, I almost felt like I'm like on a similar timeline as Harry and Meghan. And so of course, like when they had their second child, I was like, oh my God, does that mean I have to have a second child? Like, like the whole thing like stressed me out. My best friend Diana has put me through watching a lot of sometimes send me things like, you have to watch this and you don't know what happened because this and because the color of this dress. And I'm like, she also worked for E at the time. And so I was just like oh my god I'm like I don't know like okay D I get it like yeah sure but um I hear it and I love like and I just watched the documentary Pamela did you watch the the Harry yes. and Meghan documentary absolutely yes so I'm in for it. I'm in, in for all of this this conversation. There's a lot out there right now. I mean, this is like royal watching has always been like sort of a busy thing, but with the in the last couple of months with the documentary and then Harry's book. Have you read Harry's book? Yes. Yes. So in addition to my Instagram, I have a newsletter on Substack called so many thoughts.substack.com and I was like I want to take the conversation mostly away from Instagram and over there because it's a place to have just a really thoughtful conversation and that book there's so much in it. I mean, I'm sure you've I don't know if either one of you have read it, but just the stories about it. I mean, there's so much that came out before it even hit bookstores and it's sort of unprecedented in real time. Like Royals have contributed to books and been part of books before, but for him to share all that he has shared in the way that he has, I think it's really powerful and it's a real moment of you know speaking up for yourself. I said this on the air at work when we were commenting about the interviews he had given to the press and to me it broke my heart like whether you are in agreement you're team Harry and you know and Megan or anti-Megan I know there's a big wave of like not a fan of Megan I think what spoke to me was that when it comes down to it and I think the motherhood theme is so present in all these families right like the presence of a mom the relationship they have with them so this was really a little boy who had been heartbroken to the point that he was in denial that his mom had passed. And it really like broke my heart because whether in any social economic level, in any family, if you even think about losing your mom or if you have lost your mom, like your heart just breaks for him. So when he was saying, you know, he was sharing that story about, you know, for many years, I could not accept the fact that she had died. And I thought she was just hiding somewhere. You know, it just showed how heartbroken this little boy was, you know, at that point in his life. And it really broke my heart. And I think that had a big consequence. You know, I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but I feel definitely your mommy relationship has a lot to do with, you know, the man that you become and how you handle things and, you know, the way that maybe he's addressing and being protective of Megan now. And I just like went into this whole thing. And I think it just, for me, it just, it really, really spoke to me emotionally about how vulnerable someone could be if you were to be in that situation, especially when the entire world is looking at you more and grief at such a young age, you know, and try to have the pressure to handle it in a certain way and all these expectations of how you're supposed to behave versus how you're really feeling and, you know, trying to understand what you're going through. Totally. And I think that that the loss of his mother was such a traumatic thing that, you know, he was only 12 when it happened and it was so sudden, obviously. And not only did he have to process that largely on his own because he was like sent off to boarding school, like, and he was just you know, sort of navigating life. But then he didn't have somebody within like the very complicated royal institution to help him through that. And, you know, the book is called Spare and it's so much about the sibling dynamic between the heir and the spare and his, um, you know, what he wanted from his family and the quote unquote firm. And I just kept thinking the whole time, if his mother had been alive to help him navigate all of this, how differently it would have gone. You know, how he just lost that like emotional support system that you need. And that's like that connection. And, you know, he writes very candidly about how his father was kind of emotionally unavailable and obviously off, 
you know, doing Prince of Wales stuff. And I just kept thinking the whole time, very Diana, you know, like, oh, I just wanted him to have his mother. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Garopay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Catherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo. Disponible en la app de Biggs, ya. I also read um, part of your book, Elizabeth, in the Vanity article. And you're right, it goes beyond. Like, I love how you analyze, like, the first, I think it was like a date she was going on or a few months before her wedding. This is Diana with Prince Charles. And how a lot of her clothes spoke about, like, you analyze kind of like, was she hesitant about her nuptials? Was she, you know? And there's a lot of telling. And I, I know people get so fascinated, but there's so many little details. And maybe people are like, oh, they're looking into it. But it is very telling, right? Like, fashion does speak, especially when this new generation of royals, you know, and they have a point of reference to be compared to all the time when it comes to Diana and Kate and also now Megan. Yes, yes. So my whole thing with So Many Thoughts is that, and everyone says, why do you care so much about royal fashion? And I care because they care, because they put a ton of time into dressing very thoughtfully. So you see their clothes and their beautiful clothes, but also they're meant to send a message. And that's because pictures of them are sent around the world the minute they step out of a car, right? And before you know what they're doing or what cause they're supporting, you see what they're wearing. And they know that and they harness that attention. And so they'll wear a, a designer that they want to promote, a small brand. In the case of Megan, she did a great job of promoting, you know, like smaller British brands. Or they will wear the color of the charity that they're with. Or they will wear like a piece of jewelry from the queen and it's a nod to her. And so they do these things because they know that their outfits are, are analyzed immediately, right? There's a whole world of royal style blogging that they identify what they're wearing right away and, and share it and talk about it. And so I think it's so smart that they dress in that way. And Diana sort of, like there was always interest in royal fashion, but she made it so exciting, Diana, with her choices, because you never knew what she was going to wear when she stepped out of the car. And she sort of teed up the royal style conversation that we're all having today with Kate and Meghan. And I think it's really smart in the ways in which, you know, both Kate and Meghan dress like Diana because they sort of pull her back into the conversation. And when you're talking about her fashion, you're not talking about her divorce or her death. You're talking about Diana and the life that she lived. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I, you know, people ask too, like, why would these women want to dress like their, you know, deceased mother-in-law? And I think it's a way to keep her memory alive. And I have to believe that Harry and William is fully supported. I don't think they would do it if they didn't, but I feel like that's like a way to keep their mother, you know, front of mind for something she loved because Diana loved clothes. And like, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? If someone analyzed my clothes, like we'd be we'd be a shit out of luck here because I like just nothing. There's no there's no messaging here. This is like whatever. I think it's very different for public figures, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I am interested. Like when we see like a paparazzi shot of Kate or William or Kate and Megan and they're off duty and it's like their personal style, that's super interesting to me. But what's much more interesting is like their public facing stuff. You know, they have all that they 
Like the queen, before she passed, she had like a team of like a dozen dressers. Like there's so much that goes into this and it's because it's so important. It's such a big part of their job, just showing up and being seen. Like it's just, there's no, when people try and minimize it, I'm like, no, 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 it's a job. It's a huge part of this royal role. Yeah, and those people, that like the stylists and the dressers, they have to have so much context. Like they're, every single thing is so intentional, which is like where it's so mind blowing. Like this morning in the car with Victoria, like I've never wanted to like bring up the topic of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because like, I'm like, we're good. We don't need to start that pressure right now. But she brought up like, she's like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an astronaut. And I'm like, I guess like someone in school brought up, but like who grows up to say like, I'm going to be a stylist for the Royals and I'm going to know every single detail and why this shade of blue is so important right now. Like it's crazy that that's someone's job. How do they explain that to their parents? I mean, maybe their parents know, but like, it's so cool. It's like super fascinating. So my daughter's three and a half and I have been increasingly humbled by her outfit choices. And I take my sort of like lens of (laughs) royal fashion and how they're like dressing to send a message. And I'm like, well, this is the way that my three-year-old is trying to express herself. And oftentimes, I mean, she will only wear dresses and they always have to have like a skirt, like a tutui. And then her friend at school started wearing like full on costumes, like princess costumes to school. And she's like, I want to wear princess costumes. And I was like, whoa, oh my gosh. (laughs) But it's this like, right, fashion is a way we express ourselves. And I feel like if I can help her sort of like, there's nothing better than when you wear something that is not just a beautiful piece, but that like you feel like represents you in some way. So my book is blue. My book is light blue and I wore light blue and I wear light blue now a lot. And it's just like, it's so, it's so wonderful. And everybody sort of recognizes me in light blue and it's so nice to have like a signature, right? And that's what I'm hoping with my daughter that I can help her. I want her to be free to express herself and sometimes her outfits, I'm like, oh my God, you're gonna leave the house like that, okay. But I want her to be free to express herself and then understand that fashion can send a message too. So funny, when I had Ford, I remember that I was, felt like I was like rushing through time because I'm like, at some point he's going to hate me for dressing him like a Spaniard prince, right? So <laughs> all of his, <laughs> you know, you could ask Karen, like all his like newborn pictures, all his toddler, like baby pictures, like up to like, I want to say like maybe two, like I was still doing like the Spaniard, you know, like little shorts with his socks and like he looked better than like Prince George, like all the time he was like, all those pictures, and like, I think one Thanksgiving, I think not this one, the one before, he was already like obviously walking and running. And some of my friends like, I think it's like, it's time. And I'm like, no, and I'm still, you know, I still fight. I still, I still have his like Spanish outfits for like the summertime and like the shorts and like the linen shirts. But I always felt like, okay, this he's going to last only with his high socks until some point, And then he's not gonna want to wear them anymore. So I am pushing the button there. How did yeah, you feel know, about- I take it while you can, because he will at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, this, how did you feel about uh, Kate and Harry doing like this super casual Christmas picture? Oh, well, so I am sort of fascinated by the royal families, the public expectations around them, right? Because they can't just be like really rich and fabulous all the time. Especially the British taxpayers are like, you have to be responsible stewards of our money, right? And so there is this like, you want to be like both aspirational and accessible, right? And so they have these moments, Will and Kate are great at it, that of seeming just like royals, they're just like us, you know? And it's like, they're not at all because they're royals, right? You know, if when you see them in jeans and sneakers and a sweater, 
they seem so relatable. They seem like, oh yeah, like you could just be friends with this family and they're just like so normal. And I think that's a really important part of their public image because they need to walk that line, like wear a tiara one day and, you know, sneakers the next. Yeah, for those who didn't see the Christmas card, is Kate and Will um, in jeans and like a white, like just white tops and jeans. And I think the kids were like, I think kind of casual too, right? Very casual, yes. And it's like anytime you see them in like shorts or they look a little rumpled or like a button's not done or something, I think people get like so excited about that because it makes them seem human, right? They're human and that's an important part of their public image because this institution relies on affection, right? Like it's just, they want people to want to follow them. And I think if you can see yourselves in the family, that's really powerful. And they know, I mean, like you said to open the conversation about like maybe one day I'll marry a prince or I'll marry into one of these families. Well, now there's no more, right now, at least with the British royal family, there's nobody to marry. Our kids, but our are, kids can do it. Our kids right, can do they it. Have kids, they have kids, exactly, exactly. The next generation starts. Like I named my child Victoria. Like, come on, like she's gotta, she's gotta take the path. Like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't like Kay's parents specifically looked into the school so that she could have somehow be exposed to her future husband? That's the rumor, yes. That's the heavily reported rumor that she was sort of teed up to go to St. Andrews to be in that circle, you know, and that's it. That is a whole, there's a whole conversation about the British, the class and the systems and the schools and all of that. It's like the ne next generation is already starting and like I have three kids, Kate has three kids, Megan has two, and I feel like we're all moms together, right? Even though they're like much fancier. Let's talk about, <laughs> about, about motherhood. How do you think motherhood has been for this new generation of royals, for Kate and for me? And I know Megan obviously has been a little bit more open about having, you know, struggling and being more protective of Archie and, you know, just emotionally feeling like being in a dark hole. Do we know any information about how Kate handled motherhood with the three, you know, versus how Megan's handling it? Yeah, yeah. So if you back up, Diana really changed the royal mold because the queen was famously, I mean, the queen was off being the queen. And so her four children were sort of raised by nannies and staff. And there's some stories of, you know, the queen would go on a long tour of the Commonwealth and come back and Charles would like be waiting for her and they'd shake hands, you know, like little tiny Charles. <laughs> She prioritized being a queen more than being a mother. And then along came Diana. Diana and Diana's like, I want to be heavily involved in my children's upbringing. And she was as much as she could be. And I would say Kate and Megan are even more. I mean, Kate and Will, they have a nanny, but they're often, you know, like reported doing the school run. So dropping off their kids and like being wanting to be very involved in their lives. And certainly same with Harry and Megan. When Megan, there was an interview with her, I think in the cut. And, and it was like the reporter went along with her to like do the preschool drop off. And like, I think the ways in which the next generation is just wanting to be an active and present mother. I think that's really commendable because like they could totally check out and they're not at all. They are very, very present mothers. There were moments of the, the Harry and Meghan documentary where I was like, wow, like they are in that documentary. You really see them go through relatively like more normal situations outside of the being in the system, right, with, with the royals. And so there were like moments where I'm like, wow, look at her. She's wearing clothes that looks like, you know, I don't know, it could be like Madewell. Like maybe she got those jeans at Madewell or whatever. And then they're like, oh, it's Oprah. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like there goes, there goes that. There goes my moment of being like, they, they could be just like us. It's like, no, Oprah, Oprah has never called me. So no. <laughs> exactly. I loved that documentary because you saw them as parents. You saw them get to be parents. And they were so careful with the footage 
I don't know if you guys noticed, they're very, they want to keep Archie and Lily really private because they obviously will have a private life, and I, I really respect that. But they were so careful to shoot them from, like, behind. So, like, they were playing, so you just saw, like, sort of the back of their heads a lot of the time. But they were so present. And we're like, I think if you're not super familiar with the Royals, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're great parents. But it's, like, it's just a huge deal to be that hands-on because just, like, two generations ago, they were not at all. I mean, for a regular working parent, it's hard. Like, I mean, going to what you were saying, earlier, like a work trip or whatever, like you rely on either your spouse or a nanny or a system that you have. And like, it's hard to sometimes like, I have to like throw in my phone and be like, okay, I'm going to be a present parent right now. And I'm just like a regular person. It's very hard. It could be much harder for them. Yeah. I think the part that kind of like, I feel, you know, and again, you have the goods and the bads when you become a royal, it's having to look put together you know, the second you step out of your house, like everyone who's a new mom, like you don't want to like put anything on. (laughs) You just want to be like, I just wanted to be like in my robe, like just hanging out, like nothing. And it must be a lot of pressure to kind of have to just always look. Oh, you know what? What really I think was the cutest thing was when one of the princes was having that tantrum that went viral. I think he was with Kate and he was like sticking his tongue out. And I think like everyone was like, so moved by that because they're like, yes, this is like a real toddler. He's just a child. And this is his mom mm-hmm, trying to like, you know, soothe him and trying to look like everything's going to be fine. Yes, that was back at the Jubilee. And Prince Louis was, they were watching a parade, which was very long. And their seats were like high up. So you couldn't really see it. They were sort of removed from it. And to expect him to sit and just watch, I think was a tall order. But then when he started going like, <laughs> he started going all kinds of crazy. And Kate, man, she's in that beautiful, I think it was a Stella McCartney dress. And her hair is perfectly done. And she's just sitting there trying to like very, just like, no, 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 no. You know, like trying to contain him. I was like, every mother on the planet was probably like, oh, I feel you. I feel you. Not once did she lose it. She just held it together. I was that was like superhuman. <laughs> I would have been like through my teeth, through my smile, like get your together. <laughs> totally. Do you think oh Elizabeth, God. this whole Megan and Harry and the book has been hurtful for the Royals? Like, do you think people are now more? I mean, they're just more interesting because now there's like kind of like a two teams, I guess, you know, like Team Megan and or not Team Megan or, you know, what has been your the reaction you sense from your audience? Well, two things. One, I think way too much of the blame, quote unquote, falls to Megan when that's not fair. When this is what if you read Spare, it's very clear that Harry wanted out and that he was very unhappy with his life and he was looking for a new path. And so much of this is about Harry and it's so easy to like blame the woman in the situation. And I'm like, let's not do that. Like that feels really unfair to me. I think what happened when Megan joined the family is a whole new audience came to follow the royal family that would never have cared, right? That was not interested in Kate or Kate's fashion or, you know, they were just like, and then Megan came and everyone's like, ooh, well, this is kind of interesting. Like, what's happening here? And so they brought in this new audience. And then because of everything that's happened, now this new audience is like, wait, what? And so they're now, they've like upset a bunch of people. And I think that is a pretty profound thing. And I think what needs to happen for the royal family is some repair at this point, because the relationship is obviously in a really strained place. And it, I think it'll be very interesting between now and King Charles's coronation in May to see if there is any kind of attempt at family reconciliation because it's in everyone's interest. I mean, Harry made it very clear. He's all in favor of the monarchy and this is his family and he wants, you know, he said in the interviews, he wants his father and brother back. But there's obviously a lot of people 
that are like, well, then you guys all need to come together and, and sort this out. And, it, and and listen, the royal family is way more interesting when you have Harry and Meghan in it, I think. I had been watching since 2011, but when they got engaged in 2017, it suddenly became a much more interesting conversation and there was more people to watch and more, you know, I think there will be some repair that happens, but I think it's been a very turbulent time. Like it's just, it's been a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, I've been and surprised. It, and it's turned people off. I've been surprised as people just don't like change sometimes. Like people that have been following the Royals for like a long time, they're just like, uh-uh, like this is not how things are supposed to be good. This is not how you handle things. Like I feel like, and like you're right, she's gotten a lot of the blame for it, but I feel like a lot of the reactions that I've heard from like my girlfriends and people like, they're just not into this change. Like they're just resistant to like, you know, I guess what they were used to for like so many years. Like this is not, they wanted like, you know, the fairy tale wedding and then they were going to have kids. It's not the it's, escape that it once was, right? Right. Yes. It's not that anymore. And like, yes, when I came, I I talk about, it was all about the pretty dresses. And now it's, you know, you're dismantling systemic racism, you know, so it's a very different conversation that's happening here. And I think for that reason alone, people have gotten turned off. But I do think it's just so long overdue, these conversations. And Harry and Meghan have brought a lot of this to the fore. And I do think it will all kind of shake out. I'm really interested to see how the coronation goes, because we haven't seen one of those in our lifetimes. And it will be a real moment. And we'll see. You know, like, will Harry and Meghan go over for it? Will how visible will they be? You know, where will the kids be in all of this? Every time you say the word coronation, all I think about is Elsa's coronation. <laughs> it's coronation day. It's coronation day. I literally, you're like coronation. I'm like, it's coronation day. It's coronation day. No, I say that to my kids all the time. We watch, we've watched Frozen like 17 million times in our house, and so everybody knows what a coronation is because of. I can't disconnect it. Like I'm like Charles. Day. Forget Charles. It's Elsa's coronation. I know. I know. Oh my god. All right. Well, this was amazing, Elizabeth. It was so awesome to have you on Motherish, and it was so awesome to just have like a, like a conversation about the royals, but also from like the you know mom perspective. This was so cool. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm gonna be following again, leading up to the coronation. I think there's gonna be a lot of like you know preparation for that big day. So I'm gonna be prepping with with your articles and with your newsletter. Elizabeth, you want to share again where everybody can follow you and where they can find um, everything that you that you talk about? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at eholmes. And I do royal content there, but also motherhood content. That's really important to me that I'm not just like focusing on one thing because I want to bring my whole self and being a mom is a big part of of my life, obviously. And then over, my newsletter is over on Substack. It's at somanythoughts.substack.com. And there too, right now it's been really royal focused because of the documentary. And then we have a whole spare book club if you want to like go really deep. But there too, I do a lot of um, motherhood reflections and I love the chance to sort of think it through with people because motherhood is hard. It's really hard. And I keep running into things that I'm like, oh gosh, like I could have done that better. Or I want to think about this differently. And I love, Substack is a place to just kind of write through it and think through it. And there's a wonderful community over there. Amazing. Thank you so much. It was awesome to have you on Motherish. Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo. Disponible en la app de Biggs, Jack. 